You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You have arrived at your destination. Okay. Okay, gang. Uh, more specifically, okay, Doc. Um, hey, I enjoyed your I enjoyed your dear your first dear maestro episode. Um, very informative and uh, very strange to be um, addressed in that way. But at the same time, let's let's be honest. You you were like kind of talking to me, but mostly probably talking to um, those listeners um, that we have, I suppose. Um, and uh, I was trying to think what what's something that I think might be uh, not only fun to talk about, um, kind of by myself, and kind of to you, I guess. Um, this is going to be a little bit more unusual. This is probably not something that I would typically um, choose for a um, a Dear Doctor episode, but it's something that, uh, it's kind of one of the first things I thought about whenever we had first talked about doing some episodes where they're short form, maybe it's just me or maybe it's just you talking about a certain thing. So uh, you actually already heard what, I was, what I'm going to talk about, um, and this will probably be a weird kind of... Um, probably an episode of just me just sighing and 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 uh kind of hating myself um listening back to this um but what I decided to do was uh find the old drive that I wrote our uh podcast theme song on and basically pull that session out uh clear off the cobwebs and stem it out um, so that I could kind of listen back to uh, the different layers and uh, basically kind of talk through like a uh, creative process a little bit um, as well as like um, talk about like all the things that I didn't know then I guess um, whether that's uh, mixing or um, not knowing how to properly program a synthesizer or uh, the first time I ever tried to play a theremin and then just keeping the first take. Um, so yeah, I, I think it might be, be fun. Uh, one, one thing that's super interesting about this is, uh, the time stamp or the date stamped on the first bounce I made of this track is November 10th, 2016, which is wild. Uh, this podcast obviously hasn't been around since, uh, two th- 2016, but, we got the idea to do another podcast. We had the, the, the old podcast. Um, I think those episodes are still up on, um, still up on YouTube under the villain district podcast. Uh, I believe you could probably find, find those. Uh, we, we didn't want them to kind of disappear, but at the same time, like, uh, we probably aren't going to be listening to the, listening to those, listening back to those until we're like old men. Maybe we'll listen back when we're old men to these two, um, and just say, well, remember when, um, Huh, we could do that. That might be fun. Let's do that. Let's 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 uh I'm putting an 
a reminder in my uh, app, my phone right now for the year uh, 2041. Okay. I did it. I did it. Yeah, this is strange just hearing myself back in the headphones and uh, not not being able to talk over anybody in a way that's uh, just silly and ridiculous because um, you can't really talk over yourself. So l- l- let's get into this. No- November 10th, 2016, we had the idea for, for doing a podcast. We had a name. Um, we had we we both like to nerd out about stuff together, and we thought we might as well record it, which is basically what this podcast was going to be. And originally, it was going to be uh, a lot of guests. I think we actually uh, recorded a single episode where we interviewed an artist friend of ours, Kenton uh, Montgomery. Kenton Dangerous, I think, is his tag on Instagram, and he's always putting up uh, new interesting shirt shirts and did a really, really dope one of... Uh, Bernie and his mittens um, uh, last week, but those are available on his shop. Um, I just purchased my first uh, analog synthesizer, and uh, I, I think there's a lot to a lot to be said about uh, kind of playing. Uh, you know, these these instruments they they create a sound wave, uh, whether it's a sine wave, which is kind of looks like a a really smooth, equal, squiggly line up and down. And the higher the pitch, you know, the closer those uh, uh, peaks and valleys are together. And the deeper it is, they kind of stre- stretch out. Um, you know, a uh, saw wave, which is kind of this kind of buzzy kind of sound. Um, is, it's an actual sound wave that looks like a sawtooth. Um, a square wave is like, the sound wave literally looks like uh, a square up, a square down, a square up, square down, almost like a zipper, I guess. Um, and you know, a software th- synthesizer. I learned how to play the synthesizer with uh, Native Instruments Massive, and it essentially does the same thing. It's just, uh, I guess, an algorithm inside of the computer generates these sound waves, and then from there you can uh, you can manipulate these sound waves uh layer them detune them uh you can cut high end with a off with a filter you can you can put an envelope that that will have attack or decay uh with how fast a, a, an envelope or a filter might uh cut down on a sound um and the decay is is the the, the time in which it takes um a faster decay would be like a if you're if you're thinking of decay with pitch it would be right so uh i can't mimic what it would do with a filter without sounding like an idiot like a goo goo <laughs> so you could have a goo or you could have a goo goo those are the <laughs> this episode is already just uh, awesome um so you know all of those things those are those are ways in which you can manipulate a sound wave and on a synthesizer all of those uh, things that you can do are just knobs that control circuitry, and the circuitry inside of the synthesizer is generating an actual like electronic sound wave uh, from uh, you know metal and electricity. And you know, part of the reason you know people like to use analog synthesizers is is because they're um, there's a warmth that that these uh, this this electricity in this metal, I guess, uh, 
generates and I always wanted one, um, but I wanted to learn on software synthesizers and, you know, the, you, you can argue all day about whether, what, what's, you know, which one's kind of better or worse. And I think each, you know, they're all just tools, right? So I had a, 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 a conversation on Reddit or Reddit on uh, Twitter a few weeks ago, we were talking about uh, It Follows, the score for It Follows, which I love the score for It Follows. And the guy was kind of making making the argument that, um, you know, he, he doesn't like software synthesizers. He, he, he's like, he's uh, he's like, I, I prefer the warmth of analog and the tactileness of analog. And that, you know, you, you just can't, you just can't fake that sound. And, you know, my, my argument was, um, that's true, and I think it's a great sound. I love an analog synthesizer sound, but well, you know, one of my favorite scores, um, synth scores of all time at this point is what Rich Vreeland or Disasterpiece did with It Follows, and he wrote the whole score on a laptop with Massive, just because he knows how to utilize the synthesizer, and um, he knows how to manipulate those sounds and play with those sounds and get, get the most out of what he has. Um, so... And, and there's there's a certain quality once you once you really kind of learn to listen to these types of sounds. Like it follows sounds like a software synthesizer to me, but it's such it's such a you know when when you have that sound tied to that picture into that movie, um, the sound of a software synthesizer is now a uh, for me is is and can be a really kind of charming sound because I love that score specifically so much. And if anything, this, this, this episode's kind kind of a, a way to say, uh, and I, I was, I was going to kind of uh, talk about mixing as well, because I, Will, I know you, you, you want to kind of start to learn how to mix, you know, you're, you're producing a lot of your own uh, songs as an artist and recording your own stuff. And you want to learn how to mix and kind of get the most out of, out of the mix. And, you know, I'm I'm always investing in sound treatment in uh, my room and my home studio as as well as my work studio. But spend a lot of money on sound treatment to to make sure my reflections are okay, and uh, a lot of money on 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 speakers because I wanted the same same type of speakers at home that I use at work, and you know all these things. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it follows as a great example that like you know you don't have to spend you know, $5,000 on this great analog analog synthesizer to create something really special and unique. Um, you can, you know, Pro Tools is not going to sound better than Logic and vice versa or Ableton or, 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 any, or any of those things or spending, you know, $500 on this boutique uh, EQ is not necessarily better than the stock EQ that Logic has. It's just learning how to manipulate the thing um, that you have to get what you want. You have the sound in your head and kind of trial and error, listening to the things you love and really analyzing and, and, and thinking about those elements and, and why is this warm here or is this guitar thin here because it's it's fitting in the mix in such a way in this part of the song to leave room for everything else to kind of, uh, you know, come through. Um, you know, you don't have to have the best of the best things uh, to create something really unique and to create something really kind of special. Um, all you need is uh, a set of ears and uh, time, you know, time to learn why those decisions are made and, and, you know, why to do this or to try this and to see, 
oh, this works. If, if I put some distortion here on this thing, it, it makes it a new thing. Um, that kind of thing. Um, so obviously time is, 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 is the biggest thing. It's just kind of learning that thing. So I thought it was interesting that I, I made this track, uh, now, um, for not, you know, four and a half years ago, I guess less, less than that now. I'm not doing math. This is not a math, math podcast. So, um, I've, I've stemmed out this track, um, and I've brought it into, um, Pro Tools, and then I'm recording all all everything I do within Pro Tools into Logic because we re-record this uh, podcast on Logic, and just to you know, just to to show you that you know, I compose music in Logic. Um, it's my uh, DAW of choice, digital audio workstation, um, and I mix uh, in sound design, movies, and commercials in Pro Tools, and they're just kind of pros and cons to each one. But at the end of the day, they literally both serve the exact same purpose it's a you know it's a a canvas which to which you can paint on if you will um so uh you guys have already heard the track just such a dope track that at this point like i'm (laughs) i listened to to will's dear meister episode and it's not easy for me to listen to this track at this point um and uh, I'm not sure why that is, uh, I guess, because like I, I know a lot more now than I did. And I just realized I didn't, uh, I did not, the, uh, the claps, <laughs> the claps that you hear, I, I guess I forgot to stem those out. But here's a little bit of the track. Let me just scroll through down here. Oh, the claps are in there somewhere. Where are they? Maybe in the drums. Okay. So that's the track. You guys have heard it. If, if you've listened to this before, you've heard that way too many. You probably, you press the little uh, plus or minus 15 seconds. Um, so this track started with me buying a synthesizer. My first hardware synthesizer um, is the Moog Sub 37. And it's... Uh, it's a super dope little synthesizer. The there there are some cheaper ones too that you know they don't do all the same things, but uh, it's the first kind of uh, hardware synthesizer I learned on, and um, so I started um, kind of uh, with the steps the step sequencer, uh, developing that um, kind of ARP as what I would call it an ARP uh, arpeggiated. Uh, step sequenced thing that I kind of programmed in and then let you know uh, you hit play and then you record it and it sounds like this kind of starts with a little bit of a um, a uh, low pass uh, filter on it and that's basically it you get a few different oscillators playing there's a lower one and a higher one um, I think they're square waves maybe Um, and basically, you know, you, you program in this, the, you program in the MIDI is how I did it. I, you know, I didn't play it on the, on the actual synthesizer. So you program MIDI and then you can send that MIDI information to, um, to the, uh, synth and a lot of these new synths are, are USB compatible to where you can actually like, you know, if you're familiar with logic, you, you'd just be programming, 
MIDI on a piano roll, just like you know you would, and then you'd you'd have a a virtual synthesizer send set up to where you can actually send that information in the in the correct uh, tempo um, with the track that you're composing, and then that will trigger the synthesizer to play right. Um, and then you actually have to plug, replug in the 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 audio into your interface or into your preamp to re-record. So it's it's kind of like reamping a guitar, but um, it's MIDI piano roll roll instead of a clean guitar tone. And then you're basically amping the synth back in to where you're printing it as you go. So you hit record, it plays, um, and then you you the fun part with analog synthesizers. Then now you get to go over while it's playing back and just start doing passes with <laughs> tweaking the knobs, right? So the the, the filter um, with this one specifically, um, it kind of starts with a with a faster decay or slower decay actually, I guess pull down the decay at the end. Kind of comes a little bit more percussive and I'm also kind of dialing that big kind of big knob Moog filter down, you know, at the end as well. And, uh, yeah, as I was playing, as I was playing it uh, and, and recording it in, it, it was fun. And now I would have, I would do it all completely different. I'd probably do more uh, dynamically with that sound instead of. But you know, I didn't really know how to use it, and I was kind of scared of it. Um, and I think I was kind of feeling that that it was a little dull. So I've got this uh, plugin. I think it's called Crush with a K. I think it's a free plugin that I've found somewhere, and uh, it's basically just like a futz plugin. So like, there's uh, different types of th uh, you can put a bit crusher on it um, um, to make it sound a little bit uh, more lo-fi. There's a distortion on it. There's other filters. I think there's delay. All, all these things you can kind of automate in, and I really liked how their what their distortion sounded like. It was just really trashy. Um, so this is what uh, it, in, it ends up sounding like in the mix with that kind of crush on it. I'll do an A-B for you. So, yeah, so. So that's with the the kind of futz plug-in on it, and then without. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty dramatically different. It just goes to show you, like even even once you've got it recorded in, you can still continue to sculpt and mess and 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 play, and that's you know, I, I love doing that kind of stuff. Uh, so the next thing I did was I wanted to find a chord progression, right? So uh, I'm a guitar player, so I decided to uh, pick up the guitar, and I think I used the Epiphone ET270, which is a really trashy old. Um, guitar that I found at Music Go Around here in Louisville probably eight years ago now, um, which is crazy. But uh, it, it, it was kind of bent. Um, I think they sold it to me for a couple hundred bucks. Just it, I don't even know if it was worth that. Um, but it was one of those um, guitars that like, oh, you know, Kurt Cobain, there's pictures of Kurt Cobain with one and that kind of thing. And that's pretty much the guitar I used all of Villain District when we played out. I just wouldn't stay in tune and there was a lot of extraneous noises which i actually recorded um on this which i'll let you hear but uh i think i ran this through a couple different um guitar amp simulators and i don't remember if i did anything else on it but this is what those guitars sound like by themselves 
You can even hear the buzz. That's not an effect. That is just a noisy, you know, just very, very simple progression. That's kind of what I heard in my head behind that. Because there's no inherent progression behind that arpeggiated part, right? It's now that you've heard this song so many times, you think, oh, well, that's just what it has to be. Like, you could do anything behind that. Um, and that's just what I chose. So, again, really buzzy. Lightly, uh, pretty distorted, but nothing crazy. I'm playing uh, really, like, thick bar chords. So, <laughs> playing all six strings, but uh, bar, co- bar chords just because I like that sound for this type of thing. And then I wanted to fill out the uh, bottom end, right? So I went back to the Moog, um, and what the Moog Sub 37 is kind of known for is those bass sounds, or or the you know the Mini Moog, or any of those Moogs. Th- think of Michael Jackson, um, uh, Quincy Jones producing Michael Jackson with the Moog. So um, this is what that sounds like by itself. So that's me actually playing, playing it in on the keyboard and just uh, by hand playing with the filter. You can kind of hear it. Um, but that is the most boring thing I could have done, I think. Um, you can kind of hike up the resonance on the filter and as the filter kind of goes down, you can add <laughs> you can add a little bit of just a little bit more character. It's just boring. It works in the mix just fine, but listening back, it's like, I really didn't know how to use this, that synthesizer yet. It's not a bad sound. It's a, it's a great sounding synthesizer. I love the thing, but, um, it's just incredibly boring. Right. Um, so here's, here's the, here's the most ridiculous part of this track. And when you hear it by itself, um, I just had never played a theremin, um, so I bought, I just bought one on a whim. Uh, it's a, the Theramini, it's the Moog Theramini. And what's cool about this, this instrument is that you can actually, um, you can set it to play different scales. So, you know, uh, I, I, I don't even know how these things, these things work, but there's a, there's, there's a, uh, two pieces of metal. You get closer with your hand to one piece of metal and the pitch goes higher and then you get further away, it gets lower. And then the other p- piece of metal, the, the, you know, it's a volume. So, you know, move your hand one way, it gets louder, quieter, whatever. So with a theremin to really do it right, you have to play it. Um, you can't, <laughs> piano roll is not going to help you there. Excuse me. So um, I think I did one pass and uh, I was like, oh, it's not going to get better than that. Um, it's, you know, it, I kind of wanted to feel like a mad scientist thing. And full disclosure, I still can't play the theremin worth anything. Um, uh if you want to hear the theremin played really well, uh, the, the first man, uh, Damien Chazelle's movie, uh, score, um, the composer, Jason Hurwitz, I think, uh, Justin Hurwitz, I'm sorry, uh, learned how to play the theremin for that score. And it's really pretty. Um, he plays the theremin, um, and it's not perfect, which is kind of great, but he plays the theremin almost like a, like a cello solo. Uh, but this is how I play the theremin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
that's just me moving. I th- there, I've got some reverb on it. That's just me moving my hand, uh, <laughs> like a like a fish out like a fish out of water. You could imagine it like a fish out of water. But um, I thought it it tickled me. I laughed while I was making it. But uh, I, it, probably the most creative part of it was just like feeling like I didn't know what I was doing, and I was like <laughs> just just making something with my hands. Uh, like giving me a, a a piece of clay and just going to town, right? But yeah, it just sounds ridiculous. But I think it works in the mix. I think it's I think it's kind of humorous. Um, but at the same time, it I think I kind of found the right pitches to to land on. Um, what else? What else is in here? Um, oh, I do I do have the claps. So these claps are actually sampled from a song that Chris and I produced for an artist probably eight or ten years ago now, which is crazy. God just getting older just times keeps just passes so these are claps that are actually me chris and the artist standing around like a microphone like an omnidirectional microphone in a studio and then i cut those out of the song and then i threw them uh, in a sampler and now i have them to play at my fingertips anytime i want so this what these sound like got a little bit of a odd little reverb on there Yep. So that's that. Those are actual people clapping. That's those aren't samples, or I'm sorry, those aren't uh, synthesized. And then the drums. Um, I can play the drums. Um, I really like to play the drums, but I feel like um, there's never a great time to set up mic a drum kit and 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 really play for something like this. So I program these drums uh, with some some drum samples that I had. I almost kind of like the. Uh, you know, these are real real sample drums, so someone actually played these in a studio at different velocities, and now I can play them on a, on a keyboard. Um, so that's what this sounds like. Filtered them out first, just like the synthesizer. Filter sweeping up. Put the claps with it. So yeah, you can kind of see how it's 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 it. Just silly, but in context, it's okay. And then I just decided to record the guitar just making the kind of normal sounds it makes, like this just junky old guitar that I love so much. Uh, and I threw that in there too. That's this. Yep, that's just what it sounds like when you're not doing anything. Uh, I put that in on the right side toward the end, so it's right here. You can't even really hear it. I don't know why I put that in there, but that's cr- creativity. Like I'm making a thing. Leave me alone about it. Okay, so those are all the layers. Um, would I do this completely differently now? Yes. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, d- I didn't know how to play the synthesizer very well at the time, so I just did what I could with what I had, and that this came out. Now I could do something, I think, a lot more interesting, a lot more dynamic, and um, a lot cooler maybe. Um, but, you know, this was a thing where I just... 
was playing with the synthesizer, I kind of heard this arp in my head, and I heard it, and then I programmed it, and then started hearing the other elements in my head, and the, the guitar progression behind it, and I'm like, oh wait, maybe this is our new theme song, so what, it, you know, it starts out, I'm not sitting down to write this thing, I'm I'm tinkering and playing because I got a new toy that I'm excited about. So I think that's one cool thing about buying new gear or new plugins. It's not what it can do for you. It's it's more like what it will inspire you to make. Um, I would not have made this unless I got that Moog synthesizer. Could I have? And could I have made something as good as or even cooler with a software synthesizer? Yes, of course. Um, so it, you don't have to have it. But you know, having the, the hardware under my fingers uh, definitely like we talked about, I guess, a couple weeks ago, was my muse. It was my muse. So I don't even know where I'm going with this other than I thought it might be cool to, to break apart the, I guess, creative process of, of making this thing. Um, I kind of feel like this is the star, though. <laughs> the star of it is just me not just sounding like an idiot. But yeah, let's play it, play it without the... Um, without the theremin it just doesn't have that uh razzle dazzle now you're thinking where's the screaming like the opera singing robot in the background like this is no this isn't creative at all it's very just common it's just common um so yeah that's what i have that's what i have for you how how long did i go oh too long. Sorry. I'm going to cut this off. Um, hope you enjoyed. Um, hope I didn't ramble too much. Uh, next time I'll actually, uh, talk about something specifically for you, Will. Um, but dear doctor, um, you can mix stuff. You're going to be great. I'll teach you all my tips and tricks, but, um, it's just about hearing something in your head and then figuring it out. Like, Oh, this doesn't quite have, uh, the sound I want. So I, you know, I put that, that free plugin, the crush plugin on it until it sounded kind of what I had in my head. I know you kind of do that kind of stuff too with, with the nightmare nonsense stuff. You, you, you play with the distortions and different stuff like that, uh, on, on the lead vocal. I think what's, what's interesting about, so I'm, I'll, I'll be mixing, uh, the nightmare nonsense, uh, album, and when I get these logic sessions from Will, it's it's interesting to see what you put on the uh, in your signal chain, right? Um, it's not something that I necessarily would have, but it's it's interesting to see your brain think, oh, this could be cool, um, and that's where it starts. Um, and to this day, like there are lots of things that I should do um, technically for a mix that I don't um, because wait, this, I think this is cooler and this kind of, I'm not supposed to use this for this, but it, it does what I want it to do. So yeah, this was weird. Um, I'm sorry if you just don't care. Um, but yeah, I made this dear doctor. Thank you for listening, DNN.